0: Hey guys, this is Misty, and this is Lattes and Legends. Hi, so it's Wednesday when I'm recording this, because we will be out camping. So I just had my second vanilla latte of the day from my favorite bakery called Bread. So I'm ready to do this. Um, I just wanted to say thanks to all the new listeners, all the new subscribers, all the new reviews. And if you listen on iTunes, please give me a five-star review. Let's get into the new and noteworthy category would be amazing. That's kind of my goal. So if you could do that, that'd be awesome. I love you forever. So um, today I'm going to talk about asylums. Um, it's always been something that's been very interesting to me. Um, and just looking back on the history of how we used to p- treat mental health problems just baffles me that some of the conditions of these asylums were just dreadful. So first, I'm going to dive into short history of what asylums are because there's so much information on them that I just got really overwhelmed and I was like, screw this, nope. So from CollinsDictionary.com, the definition of an asylum is a place where the mentally disturbed people used to be locked up, and most of The history um, and definitions of asylum, they call it a lunatic asylum. So it kind of, I don't know, it puts a stigma on mental health back then. Um, They were also called madhouses. And they were very popular. They started getting very popular in the 1600s, 1700s, basically pun Public funding started pouring into these asylums so people could stow away their, quote, lunatics. Um, what's interesting to me is, are the many reasons that people got sent to these asylums. So let's play a game. Let's see how many of you check off the list and see if you're a lunatic. I got a few. All right. So why did people get sent to asylums? Number one, they had... Asthma. Number two, they had epilepsy. Number three, they had rabies. Maybe they had tuberculosis. Ooh, here's my favorite so far. They had vicious vices in their early life. So is that like mid-20s? Because I think a few of us have been there. They were checked in because of the... Art of seduction or egotism. Many people were checked in for drinking bad whiskey. Raise your hand if that's you. I think that goes up there with the vicious vices in early life. Um, Some were put in mental asylums for indigestion. Ooh, this is a good one. A doubt or doubts about your mother's ancestors. What the fuck? What? I don't know. Here, here's another good one. You lost an arm. So I looked into this one and I couldn't find anything that would really explain loss of an arm. Um, I don't know if it was just one arm. I don't know if it was both arms. But what about a loss of a leg or loss of a finger? Did those not count to get you into an asylum? Um, The change of life, menstrual derangement. Oh, so mood swings, PMS, got you into a mental asylum. Hey, that's a good one. That's why I keep a bottle of ibuprofen on my desk. Um, Childbirth, disappointed love, laziness, masturbation, and my favorite, which is what would send me to an asylum if we still had them. Just reading too many novels. Yep, that would be mine. So again, like I said, there's a lot of history all over the internet. Um, and you can check our good old pal Wikipedia, seeker.com, allthat'sinteresting.com, broughttolife.sciencemuseum.org.uk. So those are some good sources if you're looking for history of Asylums. I just didn't want to bore you, and honestly, I lost track of time last night and decided that I need to get this shit done and not drag it out. So, we're gonna go to our first asylum that I find very interesting. I've heard lots of urban legends and hauntings and such, Um, and it's in Colorado. I found information on it on the Denver Library's website, WordPress, Wikipedia, and onlyinyourstate.com, which has become probably my favorite. All right, here we go. So in Colorado, there is a town called Arvada. I hope I'm saying that right. So in 1909, the state planned to open a mental asylum, that was about 310 acres. It was called Ridge Home. It was located on 52nd and Kipling. And Arvada is in the Denver Aurora Liquid area. Once again, I'm not very familiar with the area of the state, so I can't really give you any geographic info. If you're from there and I'm saying it wrong, let me know. If you're from there and have stories about this asylum, also let me know. That'd be awesome. You could email it to lattesandlegends at gmail.com. So, the final building of the asylum was done in 1936, and it was known as, quote, the State Home and Training School for Mental Defectives, founded by the state of Colorado. It got its name because of its um, vicinity to Ridge Road. All right, So, Laver's patient arrived in 1912, and there were about 260 patients in the 30s. Um, The thing about it is it could only hold 300 patients, so not enough beds or rooms for anything over that. Keep that in mind. So when the patients were committed there, they would stay there for the rest of their lives. Some were transferred to Pueblo Insane Asylum, Um, and maybe I'll do a story on that soon. Uh, And there was also a farm there where the uh, patients could work, and there was also a school there. Many stories from the staff said that um, the conditions were horrible. There was a nurse that worked there in the 60s that said patients were drugged, and it was pretty common back in the day. She said that normal kids, normal people would be dropped off. And they were totally fine. But they spent so much time at the asylum that basically it drove them nuts. So they might have checked in with no mental illness, no socially mental challenges, but when they spent a lot of time there, it was just like, what happened to their brain? Now it has definitely turned um, mentally disabled. So slowly, the Ridge Home became Arvada's dirty little secret. So around 1989, the government started to get complaints from the Ridge Home, or about the Ridge Home, sorry. Family members, neighbors, they all said the conditions were horrifying. Nurses even said that there was bodily waste everywhere because parent patients used every part as a bathroom. The orderlies didn't even seem to care about the waste. Well that's gross. The asylum had federal agents visit the asylum and they saw the worst and most unhealthy conditions. They saw orderlies using excessive force on patients. So then 1990, it was determined that the asylum needed at least 155 more members on their staff. Um, Those who ran the Ridge home said everything was fine, and they refused to change anything. There you go. Asylum's trying to cut back on costs. So a lawsuit was filed, and they were told that they had five days to get their shit together. About a year later, they're still open. The Fed still noticed a few changes, but not enough. So in 1990, the government cut about $12 million in their Medicaid funds. So clearly this was going to break them. Um, in 91, there was a fire... Um, that, oh, sorry, I skipped. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So in Ridge Home started to move patients out into the communities, like group homes, stuff like that, um, so it was closed to new patients in 1990, so only the most severe cases could stay. So there was, I believe they said there was one or two open buildings, but the rest of the buildings were shut down. So in 91, there was a fire that hit one of the abandoned buildings um, and this was the third fire in two months. Um, one of the security guards was arrested for that, so he finally admitted that he set he set one of the fires. In 1994, there was a shooting there. I guess a technician of some sort was shot in the face because of a an affair he was having with someone. I didn't get too much information about that, so I can't really clarify it. Um, so. In 1999, basically, of all the patients left, there were 22 disabled sex offenders. Hooray. That's not a hooray for sex offenders. That's me being sarcastic. Okay, that's all that's left. Alright, anyway, 2006, there were plans to demolish the site, so it took a long time to do this because there was asbestos everywhere and it had to be removed and the conditions were so bad, it took a while to get the building down. So now, there's a mall there, apartments, and, you guessed it, a super target. Alright, so... It's a little bit of the history of Ridge Home, now to the not-so-fun facts. In the 1940s, Ridge Home was practicing sterilization on patients. This came from one of the nurses. It was her record of uh, what had been going on, she said this was a regular thing at Ridge Home, which is very interesting. Also, um, let's see, in the 70s, some buildings were closed because of the horrible conditions. Walls were falling apart, the buildings were moving, just some bad shit was happening, and so they closed a few down. Um, There's basically no fire exits or exit plans in case of emergencies. that really screws things up. Um, One staff member was sent to jail for many, many, many years because they were abusing patients. I'm not sure if it was physical abuse, sexual abuse, but they were there for quite some time after I read the full story. Yikes. Alright, so now the haunting part. There are many spooky tales that come from the Ridge Home. Many people claim they've seen ghosts in the area. Some claim to hear sounds in the parking areas at night when they're leaving. Um, Legends say that before the demolition... You could see and hear ghosts of former patients just roaming down the halls. Yikes. Um, It would be cool to kind of see what's there now and kind of check it out. Um, But, you know, that's the info on that asylum. Um, The next one I have a lot more on because they have paranormal tours there now and it still stands and it is said to be um one of the mo- one of the most haunted buildings in the world so we'll see so for this asylum number 2 I'll call it I got this from allthat'sinteresting.com, thrillist.com thoughtcatalog.com, trans Dash Algany Lunatic Asylum dot com. You guessed it. We're talking about the Trans Algany Lunatic Asylum. Oh, I think it's in West Virginia, if my memory serves me correctly. And if I'm saying Algany wrong, please correct me. I'm not a scholar. All right, so here's the history. This asylum was built between eighteen fifty eight and eighteen eighty one. It is the largest hand-cut stone masonry building in North America. Um, It is second in the world next to the Kremlin. Hmm, Fun fact. It was originally designed to house, quote, 250 souls. Yikes, that sounds creepy. So it opened in 1864, and hit its peak in about the 50s. There were... 2,400 patients there during the 50s, huh, let's do some math, you guys, 250 souls, and it's up being 2,400 souls, ew, yikes, not to mention all the ones that are still hanging around, but we'll get into that later, so it basically was known for its horrible, horrible conditions, and it closed in 1994. For a brief moment, here's a real fun fact. Our good old pal, Charles Manson, was even there. Yikes. Um, if people were locked in cages in the asylum. Um, federal agents also saw people being lobotomized with ice picks. Yep, I said it, ice picks. Um, and many people are also chained to the things because the orderlies were afraid that they would hurt themselves or somebody else. There were hundreds of deaths here. Um, and it was also briefly a Civil War military base. So, um, it was it's a national landmark and they still hold tours and paranormal haunting tours here. And there's lots of urban legends that come from here as well. So, let's see. Um, the reason it opened was because in 1881, there was such an increase in the stigma about mental health, mental illness. Um, so, people were like, let's open asylum. So, they opened this one. Um, in 1881, there were about 500 patients there. And the patients began to starve and the staff could not keep up. Um, let's fast forward to 1938. There were, blah, blah, blah. it was about six times its capacity for patients. Um, patients were just running around like mad. Orderlies could not keep up. The population at this time was called, quote, epileptics, alcoholics, drug addicts, and non-educable mental defectives. It's like a party. In the 1950s, the Charleston Gazette attempted to send in a crew, and what they found was horrible. Patients were sleeping on the floor, and the rooms were freezing cold. The staff was overworked, and the emphasis on sanitation went down the shitter. I didn't mean to do that, but I did. The um, windows were covered in goo. And God knows what from uh, just the dust and uh, just from what I've read. It sounds disgusting. You couldn't even see light through the windows because there was so much shit all over the windows. By the time the asylum closed, it was up to 666 acres of graves. Hmm. Um. Okay. Let's we'll talk about the different paranormal activity that has occurred here. Don't mind the clicking. I forgot to look something up, and I just want to make sure this is right before I start in on it. Okay. In on it. So. Uh. 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 All right. So workers, um, there were workers that used to be here, and they quit because there was heavy wheel squeaking that would run down all of the hallways. Staffers repeated seeing ghosts walk through walls. Um, one of the doctors at the asylum says a ghost followed her home, and it still haunts her. What the fuck? I thought the ghost couldn't go home with you. Uh, I don't know. I could be wrong. Anyway, um, there apparently are lots of orbs that have been reported. Ghosts throw things. There's one called Ruth that apparently is very hostile. Um, Different recording devices have picked up the phrase get out being said in several incidents. There's a ghost that crawls on the floor called the Creeper. Apparently he's pretty fucking scary. There's hysterical laughter everywhere. Oh, no, hard pass. Nope, nope, nope. Um, And like I said, there's still paranormal tours that happen here. So in all of my digging on the internet, my best friend, I found an article. I guess it's more like a blog, um, called, and it's on the washtonian.com, and the article is from 2018, and it's called, I Spent the Night in a Haunted Asylum, and I still can't explain what I saw, so basically, um, she, she talks about a night that she spent here, and I'm just gonna read a little bit, um of this. I'm not reading word for word. Right. So here we go. I expected to be joined by hardcore paranormal investigators weighed down with their camera gear and digital recorders. There were some, but there was also a preppy older couple, a mom and her teenage girls, and a grandma. Okay. So that describes who she was there with. Okay. Here we go. Um, We broke into smaller groups, spending two hours on each of the four floors. Our guide told us about some hospitals' better-known spirits, including a little girl named Lily who was born in the asylum. There was a story about a man named Jesse who died of a heart attack in a bathtub, Civil War soldiers, and a patient who was brutally murdered by his roommates. On each floor, she gave us the lay of the land before turning us loose to explore. The hospital was so vast, it was easy to end up alone, despite the people wandering around. It was also easy to feel lost amid the maze of hallways and patients' rooms. My friend and I set up set up in a room allegedly haunted by a spirit named Jim James. We placed the flashlight on the floor and asked Jim to turn it on. It was my friend's, but I inspected it, and it seemed totally ordinary. A few moments passed. Guess what? It came on by itself. I offered Jim a cigarette to turn it back off. So it went dark. Huh. We tried the flashlight flash trick again and again in a room where Lily supposedly plays in pitch dark. Um, this was also the lobotomy recovery room. Huh, yikes. At 4.30, I was ready to go. I drove away and thought about what exactly exists and if I believed it. I've always been fascinated by ghosts, but I'm convinced. But am I convinced that they don't that they exist? Maybe Jim jo- James turned my flashlight on, or maybe there's some other mechanical explanation. Um, so that's basically her take on it. Um, she did post some pictures, and you can see the paint peeling off the walls. And, it looks pretty scary. Um, so, yeah, like I said, you can take tours there. And the Trans-Allegheny website, the homepage, will tell you what kind of tours they take or they give. Um, so it's interesting to read about those because I definitely – oh, man, that would be something I'd want to do. So if you want to do it with me, let's go to West Virginia. Yeah. Um, Let's see, let's see. So they have ghosts, like a six-hour ghost tour um, in October. That's 100 bucks a person. Um, so that's a tour of the main building. You can tour the medical and forensics areas. There's private ghost hunts that you can do that last eight hours. What? Oh, God, this one says... That your check-in is at 9 p.m. and you are released at 5 a.m. What? Um, They do offer you to buy insurance for just an extra $250. So, yeah, then they get flashlight tours, daytime paranormal tours, which are only 35 bucks. Oh, yeah, let's go do it. And then two-hour paranormal tours that go from 10.30 p.m. to 12.30 a.m. And those are 40 bucks. So, um, yeah. I would love to check this out. But I'm nowhere near West Virginia. So, um, if you are, check out that website. Um, So, I guess I'm going to finish up because I have a list of things to do. And I'm going crazy trying to knock them off my list. So, if you want to be in touch. I'm on Facebook lattes and legends podcast Instagram lattes and legends Twitter. email is lattes and legends at gmail. Is there something I'm missing? Yeah I'm not sure. Um, thanks to bread for my two vanilla lattes today and uh, I'm off all next week so you might get three episodes next week. Um, I might be bored out of my mind from trying to relax. Whatever. Um, Anyway, thanks for listening. Another giant shout-out for my friends at Bring on the Weird, Elijah and Will. Thanks, you guys. And everybody that's been listening, you guys are amazing. Keep listening. And I will talk to you guys when I am back from my camping extravaganza. Later.